Hello, everybody. How's it going? I'm sitting here with my puppy. Our girls are getting a little bit older, so this year for Easter, instead of the Easter bunny or parents, uh, whoever chooses to do it in your household, uh, instead of them creating an Easter egg hunt for the kids, our kids created an Easter egg hunt for Michael and I. He had been on a 14-day self-isolation in our basement because he came in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. So that was really hard. And the girls saw how hard that was on me. And I'm sure it was hard on them too. So a way that they kind of found meaning and, and found a way to um, be a part of something bigger than themselves and serve and do all the things that I've taught them to do. They decided that they were going to create an Easter egg hunt for Michael and I. So they hid all of our plastic Easter eggs that we had in our Easter bin downstairs uh, with all our decorations and Easter baskets and stuff that we use every year. So they hid all of these plastic Easter eggs and the, the plastic Easter eggs come apart, right? Uh, so we have these larger ones that the two pieces are not attached where sometimes they are, but these two are completely separate. So my dog loves all balls anything that he get chewy yeah you can probably hear what he's doing right now and i have to take it away now buddy because he is obsessed with this half of an easter egg half and he literally just bit it into like a quarter of the easter egg and now there's like broken shards of plastic everywhere but he's just obsessed and he really loves anything pink he's got a pink ball at my mom's house that he's obsessed with and he's got this pink Easter egg. Buddy, I can't let you chew on it. You're gonna cut yourself. It's broken. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he's looking at me all. Why do you have it? You gonna throw it for me? Is this gonna be fun? So anyway, it might be a loud interview. He may start barking at me um, and you can just pretend it's him saying hello. Anyways, this episode is going to be a part of the Looking Inward series. What better time than now to look inward at ourselves, at our homes, at our lives, at our relationships. Take this time to refocus and reflect on what really matters to you. And maybe some of us have never taken the time to reflect or take that alone time by yourself and pause. So one of the first interviews I'm going to do, I've, I've, uh, got a list of questions here and it's kind of like the meaning of life and people's philosophies around life so I'm going to interview a couple of different people um, and ask them these questions so I'm going to actually bring uh, my mom into this podcast episode and I'm going to interview her a little bit because these are very personal questions ones that um, I can't just ask anybody um, but obviously I feel very comfortable with my mom. We have a very close relationship. So she was willing to share some of uh, the answers to these questions I've got. So I will bring her on the line. Hello. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well too. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast because we have some like really deep and meaningful questions and there's only so many people I feel comfortable asking these questions to it really has to be to someone you trust so thank you I appreciate it all right so 
we're kind of talking about the meaning of life. And so many people find different meanings in their own lives. And it's such a personal thing. But as personal and individual as it is, I really do feel like at the end of the day, a lot of us find so many similarities in these philosophies of life that we all have, regardless of our age or our beliefs or our values um, our, or even the, the country that we come from or the continent that we live on or we're raised on. So I just think it's interesting. So without further ado, um, my mom, who I'm interviewing, Beverly, she actually wrote an essay out um, to help a friend of hers who's in high school complete one of their assignments uh, now that we're doing all this online learning. So, Mom, do you want me to just kind of ask you some of the questions, or do you, would you rather go in the order of your essay that you wrote? What works better for you? Um, well, it doesn't really matter. What I'm, I'm flexible. Okay. I'll just start asking you, and then you can just kind of start talking. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to add beforehand? Well, I, I just wanted to uh, clarify what I've come up with as far as the word meaning. So we're talking about finding uh, meaning in life. And so meaning for me, as far as the definition goes, is a connection to my core essence or who I am. I love that. And to me, that means finding your authenticity. Yes. I've, I think one of my first podcast episodes was on authenticity and finding your true self. Okay. Love that. Okay. So first question, what are the ways that you have found meaning in life? Ooh, well, it's been a long journey. Um, I think that I haven't really found meaning in life uh, to the extent that I, where I'm at now until just the last couple of the five or so years. Um, so I think um, all along uh, the pathway that we take in life, we're always looking for meaning in life. So when I was younger, my meaning in life was to me was uh, acceptance and love from my parents or from my siblings, um, doing well in school. When I was in elementary school, I always loved to achieve uh, and do well in school. In fact, when I was in fourth grade, uh, meaning in life uh, pivoted around the fact that my teacher would let me help her, quote, teach when I was finished my assignments ahead of the other students. And it was at that stage in my life where I determined I wanted to be a school teacher. And that became meaning in life for me. Um, so oh, I, I didn't think, know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So it I was think, someone who made you feel needed and you yeah. felt like that was um, a, a, a place that you could uh, give back and fill and feel like you were providing something to society. Absolutely. So from cool. the time I was in fourth grade in Miss Aldous's class at Queen's Park School, I knew that I had found meaning in helping her be a teacher and that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And, and full circle moment, I bet it's very satisfying because I know you have had students that have said similar things to you because of you, I'm becoming a teacher. So that must be really neat. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a compliment to me when uh, somebody has taken something that I have spent my entire working career doing and saying, I want to do that too. So you're right. Very cool. All right. Do you find um, in light of all this COVID stuff, this is an appropriate question as well. Um, is it harder to find meaning, meaning when faced with travails or trials or struggles in life? 
Absolutely. Um, what's interesting when, I, and I'm, I'm not going to use the COVID situation right now, but uh, uh, back in my younger years, uh, as I would face a trial, I would think, oh, it's the end of the world. I'm not going to be able to get through this. This is just too hard on me. And I would become discouraged and uh, sometimes almost de depressed, uh, long before the word depressed was as popular as it is now. And, um, but then go after going through the trial and getting to the other end of the tunnel, it's just exhilarating to go uh, to go through the tunnel, look back and say, wow. Hindsight. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. like you'd think you're never going to see the light of the next day. Yeah. And then at the end of the, the travail, as you call it, then it's like uh, an epiphany that, wow, I, I was able that. to do that. I have a, an annual theme every year and this year is 2020 vision. And as I've gone throughout this year, I've kind of modified that to mean something different than before. Before it kind of meant 2020 vision. Well, that's Heavenly Father. He's got 2020 vision. I need to have more of an eternal perspective where I've also now incorporated the only time I've really had 2020 vision is in hindsight when I'm looking back, like what you're saying, or when I step yeah. out of the picture of my life to view the picture more clearly, I have to step back and look back. Yes. So I'm kind of using what lessons or what life lessons have I learned through my trials before that can now help me in these trials that I'm currently facing. Exactly. And so you can, uh, can you, so you can have a healthy relationship with yourself as you're moving forward. And as you say, moving on to the next hill to climb. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to skip a couple questions because we kind of got into a few of them here. What is the correlation between meaning and well-being? Oh, well, let's go back to reviewing my, my definition of meaning is a connection to my core essence, who I really am. And I think in the process of um, uh, looking for that core essence in yourself or making a connection with the, with the, in relationship to the experiences you're having at that current time, it's well-being is like taking that well-being uh, or that attitude of well-being into that trial or tribulation with you so that you have a better chance of being successful. So I think well-being from my perspective well-being comes first mm -hmm. uh so going back to my example when i of uh, my childhood um when i had a, a brother who was uh particularly cantankerous with me when we were young children <laughs> that's a great word <laughs> yeah it's my challenge word. for the day use it in a sentence cantankerous <laughs> don't ask me to spell it yeah okay and um uh i think had i had so, so I was intimidated by him. I felt he made me feel a, a lesser person when he was mean to me. I took it personally and it affected my self-esteem. Uh, it, it infected my core essence. And had I had my core essence in a better state of well-being, I don't think I would have been so affected by him. I would have been more confident in myself. So, for me, well-being is like the being, my core essence is well. It's not in a state of being unhealthy or uh, in feeling intimidated or, uh, quote, sick in some way. Uh, so I think if my core essence or my being was, was more well, if you get what I'm saying, yes. I think I would have had more positive meaning in life throughout my life. 
and not had to have waited till I was uh, a, an older adult to start experiencing um, uh, connection to my core essence and being content with life. Okay. See, that is so interesting to me because I see them as flip-flops. You think that well-being comes first and then you get meaning through having a, a optimal well-being where when <laughs> I see the word well-being um, and I see the word meaning and if I'm using your meaning of connection to my core essence for the definition of meaning and to me that means authenticity. So as, as we are authentically ourselves, as we um, portray the exact same person that we feel inside ourselves outwardly and publicly I feel like we will get more and better well-being for example um, an exercise I'm going to do in future workshops I just dropped a bomb there as soon as I have a venue and I know which venue I'm going to use it's not available yet I will be doing women's workshops so this is uh, a little sneak peek into one of the activities I'm going to have us do. And I plan to do it with my own children, actually, um, pretty quick here. But you take a box. Think of a cardboard box. That's you. It's empty, whatever. So I want you to put on the outside of the box a bunch of words or pictures that represent how you appear to other people on the outside. So uh, people that you come in contact with, not necessarily your closest contacts, like your spouses or people that yeah. you live with. But how do you... How are you portrayed? How, what is your image like? Um, and then I want you to open the box and I want you to do the same thing on the inside. Maybe even put some objects that um, means to you, your core essence or so your authenticity. What are you really feeling? What are you really like? What are you really um, portraying um, to your own self? Okay. And as you do these activities, um, what does that make you think of mom? Do you have anything to, to say? Oh, abs I absolutely. As soon as you started talking, I thought, wow, I can, I can think of a great example. When I was uh, a younger adult, um, people thought that I was uh, a snob. They thought I yeah. was, that I, uh, that I thought better of myself, that I had very high self-esteem to the point where I thought I was above everybody. When inside the reality was that I felt insecure yes. and inadequate, and therefore I would think to myself, if I would go to an activity and there was a place to sit beside a person and a place to sit by myself, I would pick the the place by myself because I would think to myself, well, I'm not a very good person. Nobody really wants to sit with me and be my friend. Oh my goodness! I and hope then, you've worked on your self talk since then. Yeah, yeah, but at the at the time, I know what uh, you mean. I, Everybody goes through I, it. I didn't have those tools, and so uh, it, I wasn't. I didn't mean to come across as if I thought I was better than other people. Therefore, I wouldn't sit with them. It was that I felt insecure, yes. and so I wouldn't sit with them. So, uh, yeah, so what appeared case, on the outside you, was totally not me. And as you cured yourself from the inside out, which is why we're doing this series of looking inward, once you kind of okay. fix yourself on the inside, you'll notice okay. your life start to change, right? And that's the point of that okay. cardboard box activity is – um, it's been shown that if you do something like this activity and you really start to realize and have that self-awareness of this is how I'm portrayed to other people, but this is how I really feel, the more mm -hmm. you can make your inside um, look like your outside, or it should be the other way around, the more you can portray exactly how you're feeling on the inside, the more authentic you're going to be, the more 
um, close to and connected with your core essence you are going to be. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So yeah. what I've no. found, I mean, not that I'm a researcher or have a PhD or anything, is that the more similar your outside of your box and your inside of your box or the outside image that you portray and your authenticity, the more similar that they are, the happier you're going to be. And you are going to easily be able to find your passage and find meaning in life as you just simply be yourself. Absolutely. You got it. Okay. Okay. Well, that kind of goes with what I said, the well-being for me comes first. And then I can, as I'm a more well person, then I can find authentic meaning in my life, you know, which is connection to my core essence. Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay. So next question, mom, how do people search for meaning in their lives? um, For me, it's been a lifelong journey. And I would say I'm, I'm still on that journey. So how do you, how, why do you search for it? I think be, I, number, number one for me, uh, when I did the essay that you talked about earlier, um, I had not really ever thought about it until I was given this uh, opportunity to think about it. And as I went through my life's experiences and this, look, this uh, exercise of looking for meaning in my life, um, it boiled down to love. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. It, yeah, it boiled down to love. And, and uh, I, I spent most of my life looking for love. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was miserable a lot of the time. So what I have discovered in this process, it's not that I need, well, I do need to be loved. But it, what, makes me, what makes me feel better is when I can love others. Because that's something I have control over. Yep. And as I can, as as I take opportunity to love others, or help others, or serve others, or whatever um, guys you want to put on um, the word love, in all of its different facets, when I'm going outward, um, and, and exactly that's what the Bible you says: you find more meaning in your life, love God, and then love your neighbors. Yep. If you love and others, I, that is your meaning. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I would say. Uh, and, and in the process, uh, one of the side effects of that um, search for meaning and, and the bottom line being the ability to, for me to love others is that then I'm happy. So I'm not looking for happiness. It's a, it's a result yeah, of exactly. loving and serving others. Exactly. And I feel like that's true joy. There's a true contentment and a satisfaction. It's not happiness like a fleeting moment of, oh, a roller coaster, that was fun. But it's more yeah. lasting. Yes, it's internal. Yes. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. All right. Um, how has family and friends impacted your search for meaning? Oh, well, you've read my essay. So you know that family is the bottom line for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how family and friends have impacted a search for meaning. Um, I, I've narrowed it down to mainly family for me. As I get older, I have, you know, my friends are, uh, few and far between, so to speak, because I'm a caregiver for grandma and have done that the last 13 years. So in that regard, friends have kind of gone by the wayside, but I've always had family as my my core people, so to speak, my people. And uh, I think that as I have, like, go back to my brother who um, uh, harassed me when I was younger. Um, I think as I have come to terms with who he is, and accepting who he is and kind of reinterpreting 
uh, like go back to your box thing. Like on uh, uh, his box, may, like uh, I think Beverly's inferior. I think she's dumb. I think she's stupid. He was saying all these things on the outside of his box. But inside his box is a very loving, kind, soft person who's very generous and, and supportive of me. And as I focused on that aspect of him, then my search for my core essence, uh, which now says I'm an okay person because this brother is really underneath it all. He's a very kind and generous person. Absolutely. And it's funny because you know your brother and his own family i feel like that's kind of his love language is using that sense of humor and kind of Mountain Movers are a high-quality, highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs. Find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner, Jeff Gilbert. Email him at mountainmovers@mail.org and tell him Teddy sent you. I'm sure he'll give you a discount. Hello. Hi. <laughs> lost you. <laughs> well, we're back together again. Now. I know, and I don't even know where I lost you. I might actually have to get Michael to help me edit this one now. Usually okay. I try to do these things in one take because I know he's busy with his dissertation. So okay. I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm going to do it. I've only ever had to get him to edit one. And it was the very first interview I did when we were sitting side by side. So we kind of kept like making each other laugh. So we have to like <laughs> cut it out when it was like a certain serious moment or whatever so we'll see where I left off you had just started to say that my brother's love language is uh you know serving sarcasm and kind of teasing yeah that's that's the way he communicates and did you hear past that of why I think he's like that no no go ahead so I was kind of saying that I almost wonder and I've never met my grandpa I think we met as I was coming down to earth I said hi, and he was going back up to heaven. He died two months before I was born. Yeah. But what I've heard about him is it sounds like he was kind of a sarcastic person as well. Extremely. So I almost wonder if um, some of your brothers, most of your family members are quite sarcastic. Yes. So I think that that was the way that they learned to communicate you've got you've their got, love yeah you've hit the nail on the head see and, this is why michael thinks i should be a counselor he's like you're just so intuitive and you make those connections so easily i feel like i'm your like counselor right now next time i'm going to charge you mom okay <laughs> <laughs> but not you know too much i'm like, retired really. but it took you your entire life to realize that or maybe you're just now figuring that out because i've made that connection for you i don't know well no i kind of knew it previously uh do you remember that book uh five languages of love when it was yeah. popular a couple yeah. of years back and somebody else concluded for me, after knowing my dad, that his love language was service. And he was the kind that worked two and three jobs for the family and, and kept a roof over our head and paid for everything. And, and uh, so he, he never, I don't ever recall him saying, I love you. Uh, but that was his love language, is serving us. 
and uh, his his he always enjoyed a good conversation where black was white and white was black, and he would just debate it till the cows came home. And, uh, and, and, he, and the sarcasm was there and it was just part of his personality. So you're exactly right. Yeah. And once I was able to put him in perspective, which happened a couple of years back, uh, that's kind of where I guess I started to figure out my brother. Yeah. You're right. There's a, I, I hadn't even thought of that till you're saying that. You had an aha moment just now. Yeah, I did. Aha. Exactly. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, in your opinion, do you think happiness and meaning are achieved together? Well, I think I think meaning comes first, right? And then, and then when when meaning is achieved, then for me, it, at least me personally, then I feel happy. I agree. So, so I would say that I have because I haven't found meaning in my life or authentic meaning until the last you know decade. Uh, I would say that I was kind of in a state of unhappiness. Uh, yeah. there, there were things that would bring me momentary happiness, and you're actually one of them. So for the first 20 years, I was momentarily happy uh, being a, a mother and, uh, you know, putting yeah. all my eggs in your basket, yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in my daughter's basket. Um, and, it, and it was authentic happiness. But then as you grew and went your own way in life uh, and I was left on my own, I was kind of miserable. And I've heard many friends say that, like they're nervous for that empty nester phase in their life when their kids have to move on. And I attribute why I've been able to find my meaning and my true authenticity to the fact that I have to share my kids. So every other week I'm like an empty nester and I'm stuck alone at home by myself and I have Mm -hmm. to figure out my life. Yes, that totally. yeah, you aren't busy twenty four seven like I was. Exactly. Being a single mom. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So maybe that's a that's a, a, a that is an aha moment for you that came quite a long time ago in this sharing process with your children. Yeah. But uh, better that you're getting it early than me getting it I, way late. Yes, I feel that's <laughs> a silver lining for sure. It's yes. hard not having yeah. your kids, but it's there's always ways to find the positive like date nights every other Friday it's perfect I yeah. have to get a babysitter there you go so what are some moments when you have felt great meaning obviously you kind of just answered that as a mother yes uh I I, I think you found, saw that in my essay I would say uh the greatest uh, meaning for me came when you were born that was that was a huge aha moment mm-hmm. uh, literally it was literally like that, that very moment you were born. It was like I had an epiphany yeah. that this is exactly uh, what I was meant to do is to be a mother to this beautiful little girl. And uh, but I've had some other moments uh, that have brought great meaning to me. Uh, when I was in university, um, I was a pedestrian and I was hit and run over by a car. And uh, I spent four months in a hospital, unable to walk and, and had other um, issues. And, and so it was a time for me to uh, communicate with uh, my God, who is my Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, and, and uh, 
develop a relationship with them because I literally didn't have, I was a thousand miles away from Calgary uh, when I was going to university. So I literally had no family. Most of my friends didn't have cars, so they couldn't travel from the university dormitories to the hospital to visit with me. So I literally spent four months talking to Jesus and uh, getting to know him and, and hoping he was there for me, which I really felt that he was, and got me through that that huge, uh, momentous trial and tribulation. And uh, so, in that, uh, so in your lowest so, time, there, you felt yeah. the greatest meaning. And then, and then, in my highest time, giving yeah. birth to you. So it's kind of on, on the in the extremes, yep. in the valleys, in on the top of the hills. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like I felt my greatest meaning when I was told I had a brain cancer, and they were prep prepping that foothills surgical suite i was in the rocky view emergency department and my neurologist was prepping michael and letting him know that he should let all the family know and saying mm-hmm. how how long he expected me to live if the surgery was unsuccessful like that was that was my lowest point but that was the point i decided well i might as well make the best of this and leave a legacy for my kids if nothing else so i wrote a book Yes. And of course, it turned out to not be brain cancer or a tumor. It's inoperable. And I suffer my debilitating migraines daily because of it. But it also is a chance for me to reach out and um, kind of be a light and an example to others to show everybody, you know what, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be myself. It's okay to not put on a brave face all the time. Because in your generation, like you never missed school. And with you as a, a teacher, especially in high school, you as a teacher at the high school that I attended, you never let me miss school when I was feeling ill or under the weather, which was probably every day because I had all these ailments going on and who knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I carried on. So I kind of grew up with this mentality like you just stuff it. Even if you don't feel good, you bury it and you just carry on. And mm-hmm. so I did and I succeeded and I got a degree and I worked a successful couple of careers before I kind of crashed and burned and had to take some time off for medical reasons. Um, and it's not till recently that I'm even finding out all these diagnoses because it's the first time in my life that I was forced to slow down and figure things mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it's, just, it's interesting, though, because I have found a lot of meaning throughout all of my chronic illness journey. Mm hmm. And, and and now that you say that and put it in those terms, it's kind of when I retired as a high school teacher that I started to find meaning in my life because yeah. I was forced to slow down. Yeah, oh, I never even thought of that before. Totally. Okay. Well, and I and I almost wonder if that's why I'm dealing with this COVID crisis a little better than most. I think one of the next episodes I will do is on mental health. Um, I might even post it before I publish this one, but. I've heard a lot of people suffering from mental health right now and people that are already suffering from depression and suicidal ideation and things like that are really struggling right now. And it's really the ones that are alone and feeling really isolated that they don't have many people to turn to or don't have many people turning to them. So I'm trying to reach out to as many as I can. And I feel like this podcast is a great, great platform, but I feel like I should do um, uh, an episode specifically on mental health because it's, it's just so hard. It's so hard to overcome and it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, it, it's uh, across a wide spectrum. 
your cousin, my, my youngest niece, who's uh, 14, 15, I think, she is is extremely stressed because as a teenager, your friends are number one. Yeah. And now she's isolated uh, 24-7 with her dad. Yeah. And, and, and not her friends. And it's very, very emotionally hard on her. And then you go to the other extreme of somebody who's elderly and they're all alone. Or you it's go so to... interesting. Like, Ella's in the same phase. She's 12. And mm-hmm. when she's asked us, can, can I still, cause she's been told we have a very strict, like we don't text boys when we're 12, like maybe when mm-hmm. you're 14, we'll talk about it, but we don't text boys right now. Um, or maybe when we're 16, we'll talk about it <laughs> more like yeah. it. They or 25. Used, they used to think they couldn't date till they were 25. We used to tell yeah. them that cause we both were divorced and married too early and all that stuff. But anyways, it's interesting because I find, uh, I notice it more with Ta- Ella than I do with my 10 year old. And Ella's mm-hmm. very much in that stage. She's in grade seven and that's where friends are everything. So yeah. we sometimes I'll set up a schedule, say, okay, we're going to start our school work at 10 or nine today or whatever. And mm-hmm. we'll work for a couple hours. Then we'll be done and we'll hang out in the afternoon. Well, right at 10, all of Ella's friends want to get together on this house party app that we've let her have so they can play games together online and, and, mm-hmm. and chit chat and actually see each other's faces and stuff. So right at like, 10 o'clock like all these friends want to talk and I'm like you know what I was talking to Michael we're like let's just let her let's let her mm-hmm. talk and I think she talked for like an hour hour and a half with all of her friends and they were doing schoolwork while they were talking and kind of helping each other out and anyway I'm like whatever it messes up my plans a little bit for how I wanted to see the day go but I feel like that's such a a crux for these kids these days that that social piece is really important for their mental health I agree. I totally agree. So just being able to be flexible and, and when there are those moments of um, the ability to socialize that take, take advantage of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What is your current philosophy of life? That's a really deep question. Um, well, I think it, uh, it goes back to um, if I, if I feel the opportunity to love others and serve others, uh, then that brings me uh, uh, satisfaction and even a, uh, a wealth of um, feeling uh, a connection to my core essence. And uh, so I think my philosophy of life is uh, look outward and uh, yep. find meaning in life by yep. loving others and caring for others and serving others. And uh, I love it's, that. Kind of, it's all about the others and yep. not me. It's that altruism. It's so true. And that's why I'm doing this series. Yay. You (laughs) get a gold star from me. We're looking Uh inward to realize at the end of the day, you just need to look outward and you need to be as part of something bigger than yourself and you need to help others. And I think Mm -hmm. I realized that in my youth and I realized it so early because one of my mentors um, was a church leader named Gordon B. Hinckley. He was a prophet. And one of the things that he did was such an example to me and it really hit home was when his wife died and they had such a great relationship. I love his wife. She has so many wonderful quotes about how women need each other. We all need to stay connected and lift each other up um, despite of our age differences or whatever differences. And I just love her. So obviously he loved (laughs) her like way more than me. So she passed away and the very next day he put on his shoes and he went to work serving other people. Mm -hmm. And that was such an example to me it's like oh my goodness like wow this man really 
must know the meaning of true joy and true happiness. And he, I believe, communicated with God on a daily basis, um, Mm -hmm. more so than I'm able to receive personal revelation. So he must really know the philosophy of life or, you know, he's got it figured out. (laughs) Well, and, you know, something just went into my head as you were talking. And that's uh, I see online, uh, you know, some parents uh, stressing out over the fact that their kids are home 24 seven and they're having to parent and be a teacher and all of play all of these roles for their kids. But if they had the philosophy of life that you're talking about, they would put on their shoes and they would go for it and, and kind of lose themselves in serving their children and being there for their children. Oh yeah. It's all about mindset. And don't get me wrong. We have hard days too. But it's yeah. about how you look at it. It's about the lens that you choose to look at it through. And that's a choice. 100% that is a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. All right, last question. How does philosophy okay. and search for meaning relate? Okay. That's a hard <laughs> well, one. I, I, it is, It is. but luckily I've been able to think about it uh, exactly. ahead of time. And uh, so going back to my, my definition of meaning is that connection to my core essence. And as we talked about it earlier on, I think the meaning comes first uh, before the, uh, doing some, making a connection with my core essence comes first. And when that is in a healthy place and where it's authentic, as you've been using that word, and it's, it, it, there's a, there, it's lining up with who I am. Uh, my my outside box and my inside box are starting to look alike uh, because I, I'm starting to discover my the meaning in life the what the connection I need to make to my core essence. Then I think from there it feeds into creating a philosophy of life. Yeah. So that's what I think. I think the meaning uh, comes first, and that that. Uh, that inner core dresses my philosophy it's like putting clothing on a mannequin totally uh, you know i'm dealing with the mannequin is me and finding what work uh what my core essence is and once i have discovered me then i can turn around and develop a philosophy of life that uh brings me ultimate happiness absolutely and contentment and well-being uh so that 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 well-being uh, can uh, get me through the highs and the lows. Yeah, I love that. And the interesting thing is, it's okay what your philosophy is, and it's okay how you choose to um, take action on that and behave based on your philosophy. It doesn't have to be anything big or grandiose. It it sometimes is often better and and um, yields better results when they're just little simple things it's that daily debris in life that we really have to work through and sift through that's the hardest stuff Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't have to be anything huge like just simple and realistic and logical steps and we all have such different personality types like I don't know what yours is mom I know I'm a nurturer like I I often will look to look outward like that's kind of how my brain is wired it's how I was born Mm -hmm. you and I'm thinking about it here I've never thought about it before I think you're more of a blueprint type of personality meaning you're very regimented you're very structured you like a set of rules Um, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah like it's just interesting because it took you a little bit longer to discover the whole 
outward looking outward philosophy than me but to me that was kind of wired into my brain earlier on in life and there's nothing wrong with you just like there's nothing wrong with me we're just we're born different we're born with different temperaments um Mm -hmm. we're cut from completely different cloths and I'm sure that's one of the reasons why we didn't get along so well in my teenage years because we're Mm -hmm. just different and that's okay that we're different we're just different do you know what I mean yeah and that's okay and yeah, and that's okay, which is when I was growing up, being different wasn't okay. Yeah. You know, and 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 that was part of uh, the angst that I experienced because I was different. Yeah. Uh, particularly when it came to being governed, uh, maybe governs the wrong word, being directed by my religious values. Yeah. Whereas my high school friends didn't have those same values. Yes. And therefore, it, 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 it was... I was kind of outside the box, yes. so to speak. Well, do you know what's interesting, Mom? This is good new information for you and for my podcast listeners. So I'm going to tell you now. You can just pretend you guys are eavesdropping on one of our phone conversations. But I listened to a podcast called Leading Saints, and it's put on by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, the religion which my mom and I both follow. And there was a recent episode. Oh, what was it called? It was called something that will catch everybody's attention. I bet you anything. It's like one of their most popular episodes and most played or most downloaded episodes to this day. But it was a recent one. And it was basically about um, do Mormons drink Coke and watch R-rated movies and drink green tea? Something like that. That's like growing up in the church. I bet you were told no, no, and no. Yeah. But what this... um, podcast was talking about or the person being interviewed and I I feel so sorry that I can't remember this person's name um, because it was a great interview but they were basically saying over time a lot of people that have joined the church later on in life will often take um, initiatives put on by bishops of wards or congregation Um, Mm -hmm. like an initiative might be no swearing an initiative might be no R-rated movies an initiative might be um whatever whatever when it's put Mm -hmm. on by a bishop it's not necessarily considered doctrine of our gospel it's it's a it's a recommend based off of revelation that that ward congregation needed at that time in life and he truly felt and had received inspiration to know that if they followed that recommendation they would be blessed in some form or another so Fast forward to now, they're saying, is it against our religion to watch R-rated movies? No, it's not. If you don't have a problem watching Braveheart, which is completely violent uh, and gory and kind of slightly disturbing, but it's a very historically accurate movie and it's very moving and it's one of my favorites. It used to be before I became a complete empath and now that would just keep me up for like three nights in a row trying to get over all the pain and suffering that they went through right but I it's funny how that happens as I age I'm becoming more of an empath but um, I'm just too sensitive now but anyway (laughs) see there's my squirrel ADD moment right there I have it too um it's it's just interesting to see do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm exactly so Anyway, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But well, it's kind of like taking the little things, uh, like you say, and and giving context to them, and and then when you deal with that, then you can kind of move forward in life. Well, and I realize that like 
yeah, Michael and I, we watch a lot of R-rated movies on the weeks that our kids aren't with us. Some people mm-hmm. in my religion might judge me for that because they might truly believe we are not to watch R-rated movies. And on the other side of that piece, like the green tea or um, not drinking coffee or dressing modestly, things like that, those came from our prophet. Our prophet yes. is the leader of our entire church. Things that come from our prophet or our apostles that work directly with our prophet that all live um, in and around the Utah Salt Lake area. And they speak to us uh, twice a year um, for our general conference that anybody can listen in on. That's more considered doctrine. Right. Right. So like, for example, uh, one back in the day came out with a, you take out any, any second ear piercings. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that time where it was a fad to have like a million, like up and down your ear cartilage. Yeah. <laughs> so for yeah. whatever reason, he said that. So that is one that I'm going to do it because I have faith. I don't know why, but I'm going to have to take out that second hole that I had in my earlobe because he told us to just have one. Fast forward to now, guess what? I have another hole. So I have too many, but it's for medical purposes to prevent migraines. So, you know what I mean? I have a personal relationship with my savior and I have received personal revelation that I am not going to be sent down to hell and burn because I have a second piercing in my ear, even though back in the day, the prophet said that I should take out any second holes. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting and it kind of just goes along with all of this finding authenticity and really knowing who you are to the core and knowing that your higher power that you look up to accepts you um, mm-hmm. how you are and understands your true intent and your true heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for letting me interview you on this episode. Well, it was my pleasure. It's kind of a good experience for me to have uh uh, been given this uh, assignment by a by a student who needed to write about it for her English class. And I then, know it's like free therapy. Yeah, and then, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, having the opportunity to have you interview me was uh, a, a great experience, and uh, it kind of helps me put more things in perspective too. So I love that's it. Great. Well, you will have to share this episode link with the person uh, that you helped with this I, project. I, so, she can, so she can listen in and be like, oh, my goodness, my project was featured on on a podcast. That's so awesome. Yes. <laughs> and this podcast has over 550 likes, by the way. So thank you to all of my listeners. I don't even know who you are. Honestly, I have no idea who listens to this. I'd love it if people told me because I have no <laughs> clue. But thank you. That's super awesome. If you go to my Facebook page, Teddy uh, Cutler, not my actual like personal Facebook add me as a friend page but my actual page that you just like um, I have a survey on there I want to hear from you I want to hear about what you want me to talk more about I kind of talk mostly about self-reflection kind of stuff and being more self-aware um, but I want to hear from people so let me know go like the page and let me know and I actually have a giveaway on there as well um, for anybody that participates in the survey so with that being said thank you mom you're awesome and uh, until next time I'll talk to you later bye